This is the Shoot Once Podcast. I'm Frank Walker. Welcome to the Shoot Ones Podcast, a proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. So I, I, I want to be clear off the top. This is not a regular show. Um, this show was already going to be interesting for me to do in that there has not been a single Blue Jackets game in the intermediary where that was easy. The last time that happened near the All-Star break and whatnot is we had the trade deadline to talk about. This show is going to be a bit different. Now, we're going to start like normal, but then we're going to get into what's become just the the incredible issue that developed just today. Starting like we always do, uh, sticking to the hockey first. The Blue Jackets, according to Dom LeShuzhin on The Athletic, enter the day with a 20% chance to make the playoffs. Watching hockey on Tuesday night was maddening. Uh, pretty much every team that the Blue Jackets wanted to lose won, except for the Islanders, who had an overtime a shootout loss. They even got a point. So that the standings are not favorable for the Blue Jackets as of right now. When we look at the standings, they somehow still hold a playoff spot. Now, where they have a, a, a chance, where the Blue Jackets are, are in a, a real tricky spot when it comes to the playoffs. First of all, they play a lot of really good teams going down the stretch. They only have a essentially right now where we're at. Blue Jackets are in the last wild card spot, seventy games played, eighty one points. First wild card spot is Carolina, who in sixty eight games played of eighty one points. Right below the Blue Jackets, sixty eight games played. So with two games in hand, is the Islanders who have eighty points. So they are one point behind the Blue Jackets with two games in hand. Now, where the Blue Jackets have a chance to still try and do this is they play a lot of these teams left that they're still kind of in the mix with. They play the Islanders, they play the Rangers, they play the the Hurricanes. They even play Pittsburgh, but then catching Pittsburgh at this point doesn't seem very likely with how few games we're talking about left here. Um, so it's it's going to be a fight. The good news, one of the few bits of good news we've got today is that we are looking at getting back one Cam Atkinson for this game. Uh, Cam has been suffering from a high ankle sprain, which, if you know about them, essentially it's, it makes a high ankle sprain difficult. Is There's not a lot you can do for it. Just kind of wait it out and and do treatments and rehab and whatnot. So from everything we know, Cam will be back. Uh, tomorrow night against the Penguins. He'll be back. He'll be playing, which is huge for the Blue Jackets. It's definitely something they needed. Uh, I forgot to bring up the lines because I wanted to kind of take a second to speculate. Uh, during line rushes today, they told us that he was running in uh, in Stenland's spot. With I think it was, I forget who it was with. I think they said it was Nash and somebody else. Which uh, putting Cam Atkinson with Nash feels strange to me. And for a second, it felt like they were taking Stenland out, but I heard he was rushing on a different line. Again, today was one of those rare pra- late season practices you actually get. Uh, yeah, he was running on a line with uh, Riley Nash and Eric Robinson. 
if I'm the Blue Jackets, what I'm looking at doing is when you get a when you get Cam back in, I would get him in. You know what? Maybe being on that line would add thing. Putting him in there with Kevin Stenland, putting him in there on the left wing with Riley Nash and Eric Robinson. Because Eric Robinson's got some speed. Riley Nash seems to always be in these positions where he's getting breakaways, but he's not the guy you wanted to break away. Um, so, so that's the thing that's been going on. But I, that's, that's why I would put him there. Um, that allows that top line of Wenberg, Dubois, and Bemstrom to stay together. That allows Felino, Jenner, and Nyquist to stay together. Which I think that line's been pretty good. And then the, I would drop Stenland down to the fourth line where he's playing with Devin Shore as the center and Stefan Matau, uh, Matu to his, his his right winger. I think that keeps you where you want to be. Now, man, you look at the lineup for the Blue Jackets and you just feel the injuries. Because I, I look at it and I'm trying to fit in Kevin Stenland, or I'm trying to fit in Cam Atkinson. In my mind, if you had an Oliver Bjorkstrand and a Josh Anderson to throw on this group... Oh, they'd, they'd be so good. Oh, my goodness. That's just how this season has gone, though. Another bit of good news from this week. Uh, the Blue Jackets, according to Elliot Friedman in his 31 Thoughts column, doing what's going here like this one, which I, I don't know how you end up with another year like this one. But if they can avoid that, they'll be in a good place. Um, so seeing an extension for Elvis would be awesome. Uh Throwing in real quick, one of our sponsors here, uh, folks at CoolHockey.com. They have a great deal for for listeners to the Hockey Podcast Network. If you go to CoolHockey.com slash THPN, use code THPN, you get 30% off your purchase. So, you know, get your hockey gear, get ready for the playoffs, get get jacked up for, for what's coming uh, for, the, for the tail end of the Blue Jackets season here. Now, the, the thing that we'll get to some fans is that no matter what you get, um, it doesn't look like you'll be able to wear it to a Blue Jackets game. So we are getting to the part of the program where we're going to have... Where this game was hard, again, this show's hard is that there's not a lot of games to talk about, and there is maybe one of the biggest stories in the history of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And, and in recent memory for the NHL, that's not ice-related. Today... The governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, held a press conference. And and for those of you who aren't aware how this went, yesterday he sent out something that was uh, essentially uh, guidance or like like we advise that there not be gatherings over a thousand people in the state of Ohio. Now, if you're not familiar with what's going on, I don't know how you couldn't be. Uh, but if you're not, the coronavirus, uh, the thing specifically known as COVID-19, COVID-19, is has got uh, four confirmed cases in the state of Ohio. Uh, the fourth one that they confirmed today is spread from what they, I want to say they called it community spread, which essentially means we have someone who's confirmed to have it in the state who did not go to any of the affected countries, does not have a direct relationship with anyone who was outside of the country. So we just have a case that seems to have come from nowhere. What that indicates is that enough people are starting to either carry the virus or have the virus and don't realize what they've got, that it's spreading in that way. We're, we're essentially, we're, we're, it, it's becoming a chain across. So, I mean, somewhere along the way, someone who came from a place that had it 
met someone else who then got it and either they don't show symptoms and then pat or just thought it was just a cold passed it to someone else who then passed it to this guy. And I don't know how many chains were in the fe- in the link. They don't know. We're just trying to figure this out. Well, this, the, the governor said, we're going to advise this as of yesterday, the blue Jets had said, we're going to continue with our games. Um, now this wasn't, if you listen to the press conferences, especially the ones Yarmo gave and from the statement, it was very apparent that this was a league decision. I don't know how much say the Blue Jackets got in with they're going to have the game. I think the I think honestly what probably happened is Yarmo Kekalainen and I'm sure the owner was involved and Mike Priest and the whole leadership of the Blue Jackets probably looked at the situation and said, we're running a business selling hockey tickets and trying to win hockey games. We don't know what to decide. They go to the league, and this is speculation on my part, but my guess is the league, in consultation with who they see, they made the decision to, to, to keep playing. Now, that's a complicated decision. There's so many factors going on. There's, you know, the lost revenue. There's trying to issue refunds. You're creating tons of work. You don't know how big a threat is, so you're not the ones who have all the same information the governor's office does. You don't know what's going on. So they made a decision to still play. That being said, this afternoon, because the governor of Ohio is giving essentially almost daily updates on where we're at with the with the coronavirus and the the outbreak in Ohio, he has so he there was news stories coming out saying that he was saying he was going to make an announcement that was going to shock people today, or at least that's how the story was coming out. And we could get in a nurse hearing uh, someone's temperature to be taken when they enter somewhere that's like a, an elder care facility or something like that, and, and that makes a lot of sense to me because. What they found with the coronavirus is that it is very dangerous for people who are older. Very dangerous. Um, it actually apparently has become, they're kind of apparently realizing with more uh, research that even people in their 40s and 50s have a higher range of danger from it. But today they said they were just going to make it an order, meaning it now has the power of law where they can send in sheriff's deputies or state police or whatever that there will be no gatherings over a thousand people essentially that uh sporting events are just going to be essentially what it came down to was we'll allow you to have the event and you can play the game and you can have essential personnel needed to put it on and you can televise it but you cannot allow spectators in the building which this is crazy i i don't know if there's a in my memory in any games where there's been not many people there but I don't know how many sporting events there's been in my memory. I think there was a baseball game a few years back that had to do with there being uh, riots going on in Baltimore or something, or protests or something like that, where there were no spectators. Well, at this point, we are looking at the Columbus Blue Jackets games. We're looking at San Jose Sharks games. We're looking at uh, Warriors games. Shortly after that, the end, because the this is also going to affect the NCAA tournament, which is going to have two sites in Ohio, both in Cleveland and in Dayton. Apparently, all the NCAA has come out and said that for their tournaments, there will be no spectators. I think they're going to try and find a way to let like close friends and family into the buildings, but they're not just general tickets are not going to be handled. Uh, letting you know if you haven't seen it from the Blue Jackets yet, the Blue Jackets are going to do refunds on these. Essentially, if you're like a season ticket holder or you bought your ticket directly from the Blue Jackets, they'll do things with both credits and refunds based on whether you're a season ticket holder or a one-time ticket holder. If you bought your ticket on something like StubHub or SeatGeek, contact those folks, start trying to get that reversed, that sort of thing. Now, something I want to address, 
because when this all happened yesterday, um, Blue Jackets Twitter, Blue Jackets Facebook was all over the place. When the Blue Jackets said they were going to play, I saw people, some people celebrating it and other people ripping them for being irresponsible. Once it was shown that the governor was going to shut it down and the Blue Jackets sent out a statement within a couple of, a few hours saying, yep, we're going to comply. And the NHL said, yes, we're going to comply. Uh, I saw some people praising it and other people ripping it. And, and something I do want to say, uh, I, this was an important piece. During the governor's press conference, he thanked the groups that voluntarily said they would shut things down. But the phrase he used was, we heard from some organizations that if we made it in order, it would make life effective. And then the thing he said was, that's what the lawyers told us. Now, I am a lawyer, but I'm not playing lawyer today. So I'm wondering if between either insurance or processing refund became easier for them once it was in order for them to cancel it. So that's where we stand currently. So yeah, where we're at is these games just, there's not going to be fans. Um, now there's all sorts of questions up in the air right now. Uh, I'm very curious to watch the game tomorrow night on TV to see how many of the trappings of a normal game they have when they come out, when they score a goal, when they fire the cannon, will there be music? Are they going to do the national anthem? I mean, how many of the trappings of a game do you do when there's no crowd to entertain? Is there going to be some cannon crew there waving flags? I, I mean, it's going to be a strange, strange situation. Part of why I'm saying it's one of the weirdest things I've seen in my time as an NHL fan, as a, as a sports fan. I mean, the idea of seeing a, a sport played with no spectators is just strange. I mean, even when you watch Major League Gaming, if you if you ever watched one of those, I think they normally have spectators, which is just different. Now, I, I want to take a moment to address the part of the crowd that is unhappy about this. I've seen everything from people saying they want to do lawsuits to, well, let's just all go down there and set up like a like a block party anyway outside the game just to show them. Let's talk about this for a second, guys. So I get that a lot of people look at the situation and they go, I'm not sick. The people I know aren't sick. What are we doing? The of us have experienced in our lifetimes. Me and my wife were talking about this. We were talking to our daughter, talking about it different places. I, when I dropped her off for a dance class today, there were actually two little girls playing some version of tag. And as one was chasing the other, she goes, I'm going to give you coronavirus, which was both hilarious and also kind of upsetting. Uh, it made you really understand where Ring Around the Rosie came from. If you don't get that, Google it. It's Ring Around the Rosie based on sad, terrible diseases. But this isn't like anything. We, we were talking with her. And I looked at my wife and said, what was the last real epidemic, pandemic, something of this magnitude? And we, when we were looking at it, we saw HIV, which is a different, it's a different kind of thing. It's not walking around breathing, you're going to get HIV. It's a little bit of a different experience, different, different situation, which I am not qualified to speak on. This I'm barely qualified to speak on, but I'm, I'm trying to do my best here. So please don't kill me too much if I'm not perfect. But the last thing we could see that really measured up was in 1918, and it was the Spanish flu. Now, I'm not saying this is the Spanish flu. Don't go look up numbers for it and see the death toll and be like, oh, no, that's what's happening. That's not what I'm saying at all. Just the idea of 
there's a disease going around that you can't see that the symptoms are light enough that you might think you just have a light cold or a runny nose, but when you carry it, someone else might get it and it might be what kills them and you don't know. We have no way of knowing. That's the thing that's real tricky about this, guys. None of us have lived through something. Unless you've got a 110-year-old grandfather who or something, nobody we know remembers this kind of stuff. And what's going on here is a strategy. If, if, you've, if you haven't seen it before, I would highly implore you, go to Google, just type in the phrase, flatten the curve. And what that's a reference to is when you look at a graph of how, how pandemic, the infection rate goes sky high, and then it drops off. The problem is when that rate goes sky high, it reaches a point where there are now more people with the virus who need medical attention than who the medical community is able to help. And at that point, you are now every other per, every new person who gets it above that line who needs medical attention can't get it. Now, I've seen people online who are trying to say this isn't a big deal. And they're like, oh, what, only 2% of the people are getting it or does things go bad for anything like that? Yeah, but the infection rates are really high, guys. And let me put this into perspective. Because, let you know, my own kind of research into how all this went, I started seeing people talk about stories about how Italy's overrun. Their hospitals just don't have enough room. There are people laying in the hallways of the hospitals trying to deal with it. And in my mind, I'm like, really? How does that happen? How are there that many people sick? It sounds like something out of a terrible movie. And by terrible, I mean the story is just sad and terrible and awful. And so I started looking it up. There aren't as many hospital beds in Columbus as you guys might think there are. I was kind of stunned. The state of Ohio averages two hospital beds for every thousand people in the state. Meaning if we get to the point where it's like a tenth of a percent of people need to be hospitalized because of this, we don't have the beds. We don't have the resources. And that's assuming there's nobody in those hospitals to begin with getting treatment for heart issues or strokes or seizures or just you know they had to get their tonsils removed or any one of a hundred other things so the the situation that they're trying to do the reason they're shutting down things like the blue jackets game is they're saying if we can slow down how many people get this virus even if the same amount of people get it if we take it from happening in two months to happening over a year so that's where that curve, because remember the, the, my idea, and again, if you Google it, you'll see it a lot better. The idea of those cases rising sharply, if all of a sudden that grade is much more, much slower, much lower, and we can keep it under the idea of how, many, how much our, our healthcare system can handle, more people will make it and survive through this kind of stuff. And again, I get it. Right now, nobody's sick. A lot, everybody you and you know, nobody's got it yet. Hopefully nobody you know has it. Hopefully nobody you know gets it and is, it's bad enough to be a problem. That's what we're trying to hold off here on. But from what we know about this virus, in my family, I'm 35, and other than being overweight, I'm pretty healthy. My wife is in her early 30s. She's healthy. My daughter is pretty healthy little kid, running around being a goofball. None of us are in that target group for who's going to who's going to hurt from this. But I know lots of old people. So do you guys? And when I'm saying old. I'm not talking about that old. I'm talking 60. I'm talking about your parents. If you're my age, I'm talking about your parents out there who, and people you don't even know who may get this because you just thought, oh, I'm just going to go do this thing. It's no big deal. I won't get sick. It's, it's about trying to protect everyone. 
And that's tricky. That is really tricky. And what's going to make it harder is a lot of times we're not going to be able to see what's happening. But it's happening. Where we have a chance to do something different than what we've seen in the past on this is we understand this stuff infinitely better than they did back in 1918 when the Spanish flu carried through. They didn't know to stop stuff. They didn't know what was carrying it. They didn't know what was causing these problems. They didn't have a developed enough idea of germ theory and all this stuff, and they weren't able to do planning over a whole state. So that's what's happening here. So I, I, my hope is that we get three weeks from now or we get six months from now, and we all look back and think about this as, oh, oh they, they literally went up people in those games. Wasn't that crazy? And that's the worst thing we think of when we think of this virus. Because other parts of the world, it's not there, guys. This is getting bad in some places. Italy today is shutting down things that they consider non-essential economic activity. So essentially, if you're a grocery store, you're a pharmacy, or you're keeping the power on, you're you're done. Your job's not happening right now. Literally, they are closing restaurants in Italy, folks. And I'm not trying to scare people. I'm Okay, let me rephrase that. I am trying to give you the appropriate amount of being scared of this. Which is to say, I don't want you panicking. I don't want you buying up everything. I don't want you being the crazy person who's got 18 bottles of hand sanitizer and won't leave your house. But I also don't want you to be the person who will run into a bar and be like, I'm going to kiss everybody in here because the coronavirus doesn't mean nothing and does something stupid. You need to have a healthy amount of respect for what we're dealing with here which is a pretty contagious virus that will be just a moderate annoyance to most people who get it, but to some people will be fatal. That's where your concern level needs to be. Knowing that what I'm doing, I will probably be just fine if I live in this group. If I'm in a more at-risk group, this could be a major problem for me. So I'm just trying to get us to that point. I don't want you to be terrified, but I don't want you to be so reckless with it that you don't think there's a problem. Because there, there's a bit of a problem here. There's a problem that didn't exist before. And that you can't see. And it's really hard to wrap your brain around that. I know that. That's a really hard thing to think. Well, I need to change. I, we need to make some, some simple changes based on something that doesn't look like it exists. And I get that that's weird. And I get that this is a really weird show to do when you're listening to a hockey podcast. But this is a unique situation, guys. This is weird. That's where we're at. So, I implore you, take the right precautions. Wash your hands. Sing happy birthday twice when you do it. Or if you want a different song, find a different song. I do happy birthday because I'm not good at remembering songs. Uh, You know, wash your hands. Do those common things. Be aware when you're in large groups how close you are to people. Keep just a mindful eye of what's going on. If you're sick, don't go to work if you can figure a way out of it. Talk to your boss, you know, if, if you think something might be going on. Just be aware of what's happening. So just keep your head about you and and understand that some of these things are going to be inconveniences and are going to be things we don't like. But this is about trying to get as many people on the right side of this as possible. So hopefully we can all look back and look at how stupid this was when it was all over. That's what I'm hoping, that we all look back and go, man, wasn't that crazy? Isn't that a weird thing that happened in our lives? That would be the best thing that could happen if that's how this all ends. One more thing. 
to the group of people out there saying, this is all a media invention. This is all just made up stuff. This is all just some means of control. Stop. Please stop. This isn't that. There's too many things going on. Something I've always thought about, or at least for years I've thought about a conspiracy theory. You ever try and tell somebody a secret? And what happens when you tell multiple people that secret? We just saw it with trade deadline. How easy did secrets come about about trades coming up? Or what people were looking for? Now I get it, people weren't guarding those secrets closely. But some of them were. Some of them were guarding it airtight. We know how Lula Marillo is super concerned about making sure everything stays airtight. But we heard all that stuff about uh, the big trade with the Minnesota Wild that might have happened. And now we have the whole story of what was happening there and why it didn't happen. The more people you let in on something, the more likely it is to get out. Think about how many people would have to be in on this if this was just the media and a few doctors and the UN trying to manipulate the world. So many people would have to be in on it. That's not where we are, guys. And I get that, that it's comforting to think that this thing is something that's just made up and is not really happening. But it is. That's where we are. All right, guys. I know that was a weird one. If you hung with me to the end, thank you. Um, Where we're at, hopefully Sunday's show can be a little bit more normal. The next one I do... Because uh, it, it would be, I mean, we're going to have a couple of games to talk about. So it's going to be a little closer to something. We got the Thursday game. We got the Saturday game, both going on in Columbus. So we've got at least one more show where we're talking coronavirus. Because, man, those are going to be weird. So thank you very much for listening. Um Have a great night. Stay safe, everyone. Wash your hands. Just be aware of what's going on around you. Thank you very much. And go Jackets. This has been the Shoot Once Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Shoot Once Pod.